Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of our Knowledge Group podcast as we take a forward look at what speakers intend to cover at future Knowledge Group webcasts. Turning our attention this time to our upcoming March 10th program as we talk about transfer pricing and COVID-19 implications as well as talking about some key issues and best practices. We'll be hearing from Sean McIsaac QC, a principal over at PMR Law, as well as Anna Sabotina, a principal at Charles River Associates. Now, more information about Anna and Sean, as well as the complete agenda of what they intend to cover on this webcast, that's all found in the description box down below, along with some information on how to register for the webcast. Now, if you can't attend the live program on March 10th, kicking off at 12 p.m. Eastern, we are making the recording available on demand at a time to suit you. So regardless of how you choose to listen, be that live or on demand, the information's all in the description box as well. Don't forget about the code PODCAST25, getting you 25% off that first webcast registration. But for now, we'll turn things over to Sean and Anna. Hello, my name is Sean McIsaac. I'm a lawyer by training. I've represented taxpayers in transfer pricing disputes for the last 12 years. I've been lucky enough to be lead counsel in two cases uh, in Canada that involve transfer pricing. I'm very pleased to have resolved quite a number of disputes, uh, mostly after the audit stage, when the disputes have become legal cases. Uh, My part in in the session uh, on transfer pricing will be to review the most basic principles of transfer pricing. Uh, We will then be touching on three Cs, COVID-19, customer-facing businesses, and the Coca-Cola case. We may, if time allows, touch on a fourth C called the Cameco case from Canada. I am very pleased to be joined uh, in this panel by my co-panelist and speaker, Anna Subotina of Charles River Associates. Oh, and it's a pleasure to be here with everyone, wherever you find yourself these days. I am a transfer pricing principal at Charles River and an economist here in New York, practicing for the past 15 years. My team works uh, both with companies directly and their legal tax or accounting advisors on a daily basis on uh, different types of control transactions, both in the U.S., uh, domestically across state borders and across international borders. So after Sean's refresher of transfer pricing, I'll share some recent experiences of managing the impact of COVID-19 on transfer pricing, as well as the key regulatory developments from the past year. Uh, First, the basics. What is transfer pricing? Transfer pricing has to do with establishing an arm's length price for parties that are related. The starting point is to identify controlled transactions under review that a tax authority is challenging. The next part is to determine what rules apply to the dispute. For instance, are you interpreting a treaty between two countries under a mutual agreement procedure, or are you dealing with domestic law? Once you've determined what rules apply, you then have to determine whether a correct transfer price has been established by a taxpayer. We'll review how this is done, We'll look at the basic concepts called comparability uh, and the the way in which transfer pricing people look at functions, assets, and risks. We'll also introduce you to the methodologies used by transfer pricing professionals, which are considered by the courts. And now to another C, COVID-19. Anna? Sure, thank you. And while the uh, the core methods, uh, concepts, and methodologies for transfer pricing haven't changed, 
uh, very much in, re in recent years. Uh, we've had significant amount of new guidance issued both by local tax authorities and the OECD from a regulatory perspective over the course of the year to help companies manage the pandemic. In the U.S., the um, IRS issued frequently asked questions on transfer pricing documentation best practices in April of 2020 as one of the earlier pieces of guidance, and that already foreshadowed um, some of the guidance to come with respect to requesting more taxpayer-specific information on business circumstances that have affected results for the year. This was followed by a flurry of guidance from other local tax authorities, including Australia, New Zealand, Malaysia, Singapore, as well as Canada. And those addressed a variety of topics like benchmark sets, potential reasons for changing intercompany arrangements during the pandemic, and the treatment of government assistance. Finally, most recently, the OECD issued um, its guidance in a comprehensive report in December 2020, right before a lot of companies were closing their books for the year. And that reflects a consensus view of the 130 members of the inclusive framework. During our webcast, we'll discuss some common threads and key differences between all of these documents. Next, from a more practical implementation perspective, there's been a lot that could be done during the year, even with the information and data already available while we're waiting for final benchmarking and financial data to come out for calendar year 2020. One of the defining characteristics of the current crisis has been the diversity of outcomes faced by different businesses and countries, which needed to be addressed in a transfer pricing analysis. These can include disparate economic conditions across geographies that are typically grouped together, for example, Western Europe. Just looking at GDP numbers, you'll see that impacts vary from country to country by as much as 10 percentage points. Recovery rates projected for 21 and 22 will vary just as much. Government assistance has been another hot topic, which we'll touch on, including the guidance from various countries. Uh, different countries have implemented uh, support for their businesses in different ways, and that impacts the way both is reflected on the financial statements and how those amounts are rolled into intercompany prices. And finally, we've seen a broad divergence across business models and how they've been impacted. All of a sudden, differences in delivery methodologies, for example, digitally versus in person, uh, have a significant impact on how businesses have performed, as do target audiences in the same sector. In healthcare, whether you're selling the same product to hospitals or dentists would have had a significant effect on results and how those are impacted by the shutdown in 2020. So I'll show you the impact of all of these factors on representative benchmark sets and financial statements that we already have available for 2020, including quarterly data. And we'll talk about other tools that taxpayers can use when benchmark sets don't provide sufficient granularity. Finally, I'll bring this all together, the regulatory and the local company factors, into a combined risk assessment framework that uses new data recently published by the OECD on tax authorities' operations and priorities. Those seem to be very interesting observations and analysis that relate to the COVID issues. Uh, as if those issues weren't enough, we are now facing a new initiative from the OECD. Uh, it's the second of our three C's called Customer Facing Businesses. The OECD have a fancy label 
for what it's all about. It's called Pillar 1 and Pillar 2. And the premise behind the initiative is that market countries, in other words, the ones that buy services and products, want to participate in taxing the profits made by digital businesses. Does this just mean a, a, a business that is in the technology business? Or will it apply to all major companies that are applying technology to their businesses so that customers can shop directly over the internet without a middleman? Uh, we have to find out how this will play out, but there is a lot of pressure uh, so that the decisions by the OECD on these points um, are supposed to be made within this calendar year. Uh, the various countries in the world are not waiting. Countries such as France and, uh, and, and even Canada have proposed digital sales taxes without waiting for this work by the OECD. We'll review those things. The next C is the Coca-Cola case. The IRS has won uh, what many have termed their biggest victory in 40 years in the transfer pricing field in the decision in the Coca-Cola versus Commissioner case. Uh, this is only at the trial level, uh, but it does follow a series of losses by the IRS in a number of previous decisions over the years. We're going to review what was decided how it was decided, and the takeaway lessons to be drawn from the case. Uh, some articles and commentators are saying that it's not just the case that dealt with three years uh, under appeal, but all of the years going forward that are impacted that may end up costing Coca-Cola up to $11 billion. If there's time, I may also touch on the Cameco case from Canada. Uh, in that case, the taxpayer was successful, and several OECD principles were applied in a manner very favorable to the taxpayer. I do hope that you will find the time uh, to join us for our session on March 10th. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Knowledge Group podcast. Don't forget more information about our speakers, the full agenda, and how to sign up and listen to this webcast. It's all found in the description box down below. You'll also find the code PODCAST25, getting you 25% off that first webcast registration. And until next time, take care and bye for now.